Welcome to the Magic Mindset Podcast, the podcast for anyone aiming to live in and embody your highest self and explore your full potential. Let's uncover the bullshit so we can discover the absolute magic of being you. Hello and welcome to the Magic Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Mayo, author of Not Another Diet Book and owner of Nourished, a coaching service that is dedicated to helping you feel amazing in your body and helping you thrive. This week, we are going to continue last week's conversation, pick up right where we left off and talk about everything I did not cover in last week's episode. And if you're thinking, oh shit, I didn't hear last week, that's okay. This is totally a standalone episode. We are going to dive into the myths, the lies, and the deceptions that are keeping you stuck and that are keeping you away from your dream body. There is a lot I want to cover, so we are going to dive right in. The first myth that I see over and over and over at the gym and with the women I have the pleasure of working with is the myth and the idea that if you stop weighing yourself, you are going to instantaneously gain so much weight without you realizing it. And that is just such bullshit. It is such bullshit. I will not say that the scale is not a tool that you can use, but is it the only tool that you can employ? No, absolutely not. And if it is the only tool that you have, Apologies for the metaphor, but you're not building shit. If all you have available to you and all you are reliant upon is one thing, you are not going to get that far. And the unfortunate thing about using a scale as a means to tell you how you are treating your body and how you are doing in your body, how you are nourishing your body, is that number overrides other very, very important things. I've made this comparison before and I'm going to make it again because it's important. There has been times in your life where you have been very ill, where you've been sick, feeling disgusting, and you finally started to feel normal and human again and you stepped on the scale and you saw that you lost weight and you felt good about it. Like you did something to accomplish that loss, right? You felt like, oh, a little bit of pride in the weight that you lost by throwing up and pooping your pants for the last three days. Does that mean you did something good? No. And that alone should tell us that the scale is trash. And on the other side, I hear this all the time at the gym. A woman starts leaning into strength training, getting really intentional about lifting weights, lifting heavier, and a couple weeks in, she's like, what the fuck? I'm up two pounds. This is bullshit. I'm not doing this anymore. And thinks that she's doing the wrong things when that's not the case at all. Is she up in weight? Yes. But is that weight fat? No, absolutely not. It's a little bit of inflammation because, side note, inflammation can be a good thing. (laughs) It's how our body makes adaptations. And so, yeah, you may see the scale go up a little bit when you are new to strength training or even if you're somebody like me who's been strength training for over a decade, those variations are still going to happen after a particularly challenging workout. If we've really torn down a bunch of muscle tissue, if we had a challenging leg workout, back workout, something that is you know hitting large muscle groups in our body, there's going to be a little bit more inflammation the next day. Our bodies are going to hold on to a little bit more water as they repair. This is a good thing. That means that we are doing the right thing. But if we are using only the scale, 
we feel defeated. We feel like, oh, no, I shouldn't do that anymore, which is why the idea that relying upon a scale to help you reach your goals is just flawed. It is very, very flawed. Is it possible to weigh yourself and have no, you know, emotional connection to it? Yeah, absolutely. That's something, you know, plenty of guys have. My husband just, to him, he can't grasp his mind around the fact that me seeing a number on the scale would be triggering to me because it's just nothing that he's dealt with. I don't doubt that there are women like that, but the vast majority of women who are listening to this podcast, you right now, chances are you're still here, you're listening because you have a background like me. Because we came from a background of yo-yo dieting, of extreme restriction, of thinking that we were only worthy of our love and other people's love if our bodies looked a certain way, if our bodies weighed a certain number. When we have that type of past, it is hard for us to move away from the the weight, unfortunately, horrible words here, but the weight the scale can hold over us, which is why if you are in a place where you want to approach your fat loss related goals and your body related goals differently, stepping off the scale is going to be to your benefit because it will allow you to do something that is much more important and that is check in with your habits, check in with how you are treating your body, check in with what your nutrition really looks like, check in with your sleep, check in with your movements, check in with all of those things and then honestly be able to evaluate them. Are they helping me? Are they harming me? Are they moving me in the direction that I wish to go? Yes or no? Doing that is going to be, especially in the beginning, so much more beneficial than Checking in with a scale because your habits, your behaviors, those things are what move the needle. Just stepping on the scale gives you a snapshot in time of what your weight is, which could be influenced by any number of things, positive and negative, by whether or not you went to the bathroom. And so not to spend that much time here, I'm going to wrap it up right now, but if you are reliant upon the scale to help you in achieving your fat loss goals, to help you maintain your fat loss goals, or just to tell you how you are doing, it's time to throw that guy out. The next myth that absolutely needs to go away ASAP, especially before we come into the new year, because this is very, very popular starting January 1st. And that is the idea that a cleanse or a protocol of any sort is going to help you stop your cravings. It's not. What it is doing is giving that food more power. Can you white knuckle your way through 21 days of no sugar? Can you move your way through 30 days of no dairy, of no gluten, of no joy, of nothing, of eating foods that you, avoiding foods rather, that you truly enjoy eating? Yeah, absolutely you can do that. You you can do that. And will it be a challenge? Yeah, absolutely. It will be challenging. Will you feel like you've accomplished something when you get to day 29, day 30, and you're like, oh, wow, I did this? Yes, absolutely. What about day 31, right? What happens then? I will argue until I'm blue in the face that the real challenge, the real test of your motivation, the real test of your willpower and of your commitment to yourself and feeling better in your body long-term is figuring out how to navigate the gray. We have spent so much time in black and white. We've done so many things that were all or nothing. This food is good. This food is bad. I'm not going to eat this. I'm. This is only allowed at this time. We've done that. If that shit worked, we would not need to do it again. And that is really important to remember. 
I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and say, well, I did X diet and I lost 20 pounds, so I'm just going to do it again because it works. It works every time I do that. Every time I do this protocol, these are my results. So it works. Every time I go on this cleanse, I do this 30-day thing, I follow these rules, they work. I get X results. And so I am going to do them again. But here's the thing. If those things truly worked, you would not need to keep going back to them, right? You would not need to keep going back to them. And obviously, there's there's caveats here because healthy behaviors, healthy habits, those are things that we need to continue to do for the rest of our lives. Those are things that we need to have a commitment around. And so one could argue, well, you know, it's the same as you committing to your healthy habits, but it's not because when you are going into any sort of diet, any sort of protocol, anything that you are asking to do a job for you, I am doing this because I want this result. When you are doing it, you have to honestly ask yourself, am I willing to maintain this thing? Do I want to continue to do this for the rest of my life? Because that is what is going to be required of you in order to keep that result. And so if you want to look good for an event, if you have a vacation coming up and you're willing to, you know, be a little foolish, be a little silly, be a little restricted because you know, okay, I'm going to look good in my swimsuit for this amount of days and as soon as I start eating normal, it's all going to come back, but I'm okay with that. You're an adult. You, by all means, go for it. But if you're going into something, a cleanse, a protocol, anything, asking it to help you navigate your sugar cravings, asking it to help you end your binge eating, asking it to help you improve your relationship with food or with your body, understand that what you are doing during that protocol is what you are going to need to maintain in order to maintain the thing you are asking it to give you. And quite often, there's going to be a huge disconnect there because you do not want to be that restrictive with yourself. You don't want to live the rest of your life like that. And so friend, stop fucking doing it. Stop doing it in the first place. And instead, ask yourself, honestly, how do I want to treat myself? What in a perfect world, if I was interacting with my body in a way that I felt really good about, if I felt really healthy, if I was treating myself in a way that I would feel proud about, that I would want my daughter or my sister, my best friend, my mother to interact with her body and I'm eating foods that nourish me, I'm eating foods that help me feel my best and I'm eating foods that I love guilt-free and I'm doing so without feeling the compulsive need to overeat them or to compensate with exercise or a lack of food the next day to compensate for the fact that I ate them. Like what would that look like to you? Get clear. Write it down. Daydream about it. Call me. We can discuss these things together. We can come up with a blueprint together. And from there, you take what your ideal is and you let that become your pro- your process. You focus your energy there. You focus your intentions there because doing that may be challenging because it's going to put the responsibility on figuring out what your protocol, what your behaviors look like. That means it's on you. But that's a good thing because it means you are building something that you feel good about. You are creating something that you want to maintain. You are doing something that is going to be in alignment with your perfect individual ideal. So if you want to end your sugar cravings, if you feel like every single January you blew the motor and you have to undo all the sugar cookies, fudge, and drinks that you ate over Christmas – Don't do that shit again. (laughs) Please, please, I beg you. Instead, start thinking right now, okay, how do I want to interact with my body? 
How do I want to treat myself? What do I want my meals to look like? What do I want my indulgences to look like? How do I want to feel about the food I eat? What is healthy to me? Get clear on those things instead of asking a cleanse to fix you because it's not going to fix you. Unfortunately, doing those things are the things that are keeping you stuck. In alignment with that, stop telling yourself that food is bad. Food is not bad. Food is not good. Food does not hold moral value. Unless your food is spoiled, it's not bad. You can have whatever you want. Are there foods that are going to be not worth it to you? Are there foods that you are just not going to eat on a regular basis because whenever you do so, you end up feeling unsatisfied, unfulfilled, and guilty, and so you avoid them? Yeah. Does it mean that they're bad? No, it means that they are not worth it. You are allowed to make that distinction in a healthy way. It does not need to be a restrictive way. And this this would have blown my mind like four, three years ago, the idea that I would purposely avoid foods not because of their caloric content, not because that they were processed or any of those things, but just for the simple fact that they're not worth it. They don't make me feel great. And so I am not being morally superior. I am not being quote unquote good when I avoid a bag of chips, when I avoid Chips Ahoy or any cookie that you would find in the cookie aisle. That's not me being good. That's me saying, I just, to me, not worth it. Not worth it. You may love Nabisco's cookies, Oreos, something like that. That may be a food that you really, really enjoy. So for you, okay, that's worth it. We talk about my love of cheese. It's here all the time. It doesn't need to make sense. I'm sure that the vast majority listening right now are like, it's fucking Cheez-Its. Who gives a shit? To me, I will always love them. They will always be worth it. But the box of whatever sitting right next to them, the box across the shelf, no, I'm not touching it. You can have foods that you hold off limits, not because they're bad, not because you're being good, not because of anything else, but just because you understand they are not serving you. They, they are not worth it to you. They're not adding pleasure, adding joy into your life. You can leave them there and step away from this myth and this idea that food is good or bad and you have moral superiority or you are like earning brownie points from the nutritional gods by avoiding them. There is something overarching that we can put in a bucket and label maybe not as bad because I don't love that word but as something that we should interact with and consume very very occasionally and moderately because it is in no way adding to our health and that is alcohol. We have been told over and over through marketing, through bullshit studies that were paid for by the alcohol companies and wine companies selling these products that alcohol is good for us. Alcohol has health benefits. Alcohol, when quote unquote consumed in moderation, can make you healthier. And that is just, that is not true. There is no benefit to drinking alcohol that cannot be given to you from abstaining. There is a lower threshold, so we know that there is a limit in which, okay, if you stay under this amount of alcohol, chances are you will avoid most of the negative effects that alcohol brings into our lives for most of us. And again, this is, we say two glasses per week for women, but we also need to think about that's not going to be the case depending upon our body size. That's the max. So That's the most you're ever going to have. But if you're a smaller human, if you're a smaller individual, that means you're lowering that number even more. And so 
this idea that keeping alcohol is something that you are doing good for you, it's just, it's bullshit. It is, it is bullshit. Nothing makes me, well, there are a lot of things that make me angrier than this, but I roll my eyes whenever I see anything related to breast cancer and drinking, like promoting, okay, let's breast cancer awareness. We're going to fund research for breast cancer and it, and there's alcohol there because alcohol, we know the correlation between drinking and breast cancer and how much it raises the risk that we, somebody you love, would have to deal with that form of cancer in the future. And it's not exclusive to breast cancer. It, it increases your risk of a lot, almost every cancer. But specifically with women, the what alcohol does to our estrogen it makes us more susceptible to breast cancer in our future. And that's just, it's sad because what a devastating illness that we could maybe not avoid. You know, there are some things that are genetic factors that come into play. There are things that we just can't avoid. But like for a lot of us, genetics maybe loads the gun, but what we do, our choices, they pull the trigger. Keeping alcohol to a minimum in your life is going to benefit you not only with your fat loss goals, with your body-related goals, with helping you feel better in your body, with your sleep, with your cravings, with all of those things, but it's also going to help you from a very, very basic health standpoint of it's going to lower your risk of dealing with a great amount of diseases and cancers. And so I don't say that to like cause shame. I'm I say it all the time here. I am not sober. I never intend to be fully sober. I very much do believe that you can indulge in alcohol mindfully, that you can have the occasional glass, the occasional drink, and it's fine, right? Like that is totally fine. But making it something that's regular, making it something that's consistent, making it something that you do on a regular basis, not only is it going to be horrible for, like I said, any sort of weight loss or body-related goals, but it can bring on higher instances of a lot of things that we really, really want to avoid. And on the topic of genetics load the gun, choices pull the trigger, we need to stop thinking that our family's health and body-related destiny is ours. What your mom, your aunts, what they look like, the health outcomes that they've had, you are not predisposed to them. Well, you may be predisposed to them. You know what I'm saying? But that does not mean you have to deal with them. Your choices provide you an incredible level of autonomy. We do not need to look and say, okay, heart disease, diabetes, these things run in my family. They may run in your family, but that does not mean you need to take ownership of them or you need to think like that's just going to happen. You can acknowledge them. You're wise to do so and say, okay, what choices can I make? That will make it so these outcomes are not my outcomes. So I am not dealing with the same things that the people I love are dealing with. Because we all know, like, if we could avoid those things, we want to, right? So often we just think, no, it's just, that's just the luck of the draw here. I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it because look at everybody before me. That's going to happen to me. I'm going to deal with these things. I'm going to be on these medications just like all these other people in my family are. That doesn't need to be the case. There is so much power in your choices and taking stock of what your family deals with, of what is in your history, and then saying, okay, now what choices can I make that will help me avoid these things will play such a powerful role in helping you avoid those things. Don't lie back and think, this is what I'm going to be. 
be proactive about it because you have the power to do so. I am going to tie up this episode here. Next week, we are going to do another Mindset Masterclass. We are going to talk about (laughs) leaving it for future you. This is one of my favorite topics, something that gets us in a lot of trouble. So I'm very, very excited to dive in. If you found this episode helpful, I would really love it if you would share it with your friends, share it on social media. If you have any questions, if there's anything you would like me to expand upon, you know where to find me. Reach out, DM me. We can voice memo back and forth. I love hearing from you. And if you have not already, I would really appreciate if you would take just a just a second, not even more than five seconds, and give this podcast a five-star review. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you gained something, walking away with a little bit more clarity, and I hope that you have just the most delicious week. I'll see you soon. Bye.